good morning, and in case I don't see ya, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. That's right, today we're going to be celebrating the 20th anniversary of the classic movie The Truman Show, and this movie is directed by Peter Weir and is written by Andrew Nichol, and it is starring Jim Carrey as Truman Burbank, Laura Linney as Meryl Burbank, and Ed Harris as Kristoff. All right, so today I have with me as a guest co-host, my sister Jessie. Hello. I apologize in advance. We sound very similar. Exactly alike. Um, all right, so this is going to be a nitty-gritty review, so we're going to go through every category of the grid, really talk about what works and what doesn't within this movie. Um, but before we jump into that, um, I just wanted to talk a little bit about um, about this movie. It is, I mean, it's turning 20 this year, um, so I just wanted to talk about uh, your your memories with this movie and and, you know... I know you've seen it before, um, so I guess just, um, I don't know, how long has it been since you've seen it, and what are some of your your associations with with when you last saw it? It's been many, many years since I saw this movie before today. However, I remembered it very well because I'd seen it a whole bunch of times. This was like a formative movie for me as far as defining my taste in movies. Um, It came out in 1998 when I was in eighth grade. Well, it was the summer between seventh and eighth grade. I didn't see, I never saw it in theaters. I definitely like rented it from Hollywood video at some point and then eventually like bought it on DVD or maybe even VHS. I can't remember. I was going to say, I feel like I remember having it in our, in our home library on VHS, but it might've been VHS. In any case, I had it a really long time ago and I remember like, if you asked me what my favorite movies were, that was on the list. Yeah. It's kind of a weird movie for somebody of that age to like so that's much. What I, that's what I was wondering. I think um. I was, I think, you know, it was the age where you start, like, defining your own taste. And it yeah. was just so different than anything else that it just appealed to me in kind of its weirdness. Okay. And just the fact that it was kind of odd and different and silly. Um, I, that's why it appealed to me then at that age. And also I, you know, I was very, uh, sheltered and conservative at that age and this movie's only rated PG. And so I guess, you know, really, yeah, that's something worth talking about. It's weird for like a movie for grownups to be rated PG. That is super rare. Yeah. Um, so I guess I found it kind of inoffensive and yet like not for kids and actually like interesting. And it was something that I could like really think about and you know you get into your teenage years and you start wanting to like you know you start turning against the system or whatever yeah and I think like this movie's um portrayal of advertising and people just like watching tv like I don't know I think something about that appealed to me at that age too and now looking back I feel like the existentialism and feeling trapped in your own life and um I mean I'm very happy with my life but those are some more adult (laughs) themes that I can draw from this movie that you know I feel like makes it a really like interesting story now that I probably wasn't you know seeing when I was 14. Absolutely. See, in my, my memories with this movie, I, I mean, I was 10 when it came out, so I was probably 11-ish when I was saw, was watching it, um, so I don't think it resonated with me that well. I remember really liking it, 
which as an adult looking back on it, I'm like, well, yeah, it was my older sister's favorite movie. Of course I liked it. Like, I wanted to like what you <laughs> liked. Like, that's just, I think that was a big thing. It's like, I didn't really understand what was so interesting about it. I was just like, oh, like the, the people that I look up to in my life seem to really like this movie. And then as the older I got and you know, I didn't see it again until now, I, I don't think um, if I had, I, it was still quite a few years ago. Um, so I think it was it was just a movie that I was associated as like, oh, yeah, that's Jesse's favorite movie, <laughs> you know? like more so than like, oh, yeah, that's a good movie. Um, so it was it was a, an interesting experience going back and watching it now and, and seeing a lot of things. I was like, oh, like I, I was expecting to like it for like nostalgia's sake. And and I found all these these other things that that we'll get into throughout it the grid. It holds up. It's nice to look at something from your adolescent years that you know you used to really like and not be embarrassed. By right? It. Yeah, it's, it's not, a good movie. It's not Lois and Clark: The New Adventures of Superman. You know, yeah. it's it holds up. Um, so that was interesting. Just to um, I don't know, see it as an adult and and to find merit on my own, I guess, instead of just being told that it's a good movie and going along with it because I was 11, you know? Um, and it's interesting, the scenes that I remember, like, there's some that I remember very vividly, and then the rest of the movie was was like I was watching it for the first time. Like, mm-hmm. like I, I remember the basic plot, but as far as, like, actual scenes, I'm like, oh, there were, like, three that I remembered. Um, so it's interesting to, to, and we'll get more into that throughout the grid, but just, like, why, why did those scenes resonate with me? Why, um... But like, why is that what I remember? Um, which we'll get into um, probably within the writing categories. But yeah, so going back and watching it was definitely, definitely an experience. It was fun. <laughs> All right. Well, is there anything um, you'd like to add within this uh, kind of introduction category before we move on to the grid? Let's dive in. All right. All right. So the first category within the grid is going to be writing, plot, and genre. Um, and I know right off the bat, um, we were talking a little bit as you were filling out the grid that, that genre was a little bit difficult for you. Because it really, I mean, this isn't a genre movie. It's it's a, a drama with, I hate, I, I hate hybrid words, but if we must, it's a, it's a dramedy. <laughs> um, but it really is because it's. It's more comedic than a drama, but it's it's not funny. A comedy. It's legitimately yeah. funny. But I th- I thought that that some of the stuff it was doing, um, not so much within, because like I said, it doesn't really belong within a genre. But as far as borrowing tropes from other genres, um, I thought was really interesting. And particularly, I thought um, like it, in a lot of ways, it was too comedic to fully fall into this category. But it almost felt like a modern or at least relatively modern um Hitchcockian thriller like it had you know themes of of paranoia and betrayal and and all of these you know who can you trust no one you're on your own and it just felt it does it in a really interesting way though because it's very like it does definitely uh have scenes where it's acting like a like a psychological thriller but well, I guess this is an attribute of a psychological thriller, but like you don't know who the crazy one is because he's right. acting, everybody's acting like he's the crazy one. Right. But he's pretty sure and we're pretty sure that he's not crazy. Right. So, yeah. But it actually gets to the point where like his wife is afraid of him because right. he's, he's like so, you know, and, and stuck I would in be these like, thoughts. Yeah. And that was like, I was scared for her in that scene. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, like he's gonna really hurt her. Like, like he's just so in his paranoia that, like, there was like that disconnect there, and like it was 
yeah, like a scene out of a thriller. And at the same time, you know, while you don't want to justify him, you know, you know, any sort of domestic abuse, like it doesn't even seem like it falls into that category because like everything that everyone has done to him is so cruel and oh, awful it's, it's as you're incredibly cruel. So, but... you know, you're looking at him and it's like, you know, to the people that are that are becoming afraid of him, it's like, what did you expect right. to happen? You had to have known that this would happen eventually. Like they they, you know, they created their own monster. Absolutely, yeah. I also liked within genre, um, and this goes back to like the the Hitchcockian thriller kind of thing, but just the like the voyeurism throughout. Like it really um it almost reminded me of like uh no, I lost it. Never mind. I, it didn't remind me of anything. <laughs> but like, uh, just the the voyeurism of like, like we're we're taking part in this. We are the audience mm-hmm. watching the Truman Show, and mm-hmm. like, where does that put? Uh, I mean, obviously, it's fictionalized, and like, that's our role, I guess. But it it just, I don't know. I just liked the the use of of voyeurism, I guess, and how that made it feel. So, I mean, that's a, a huge theme in in all of Hitchcock's work, and it just sort of connected it with that you know, psychological thriller and also was was very appropriate for the story mm-hmm. being told and, and they're actually you know. speaking of it feeling like voyeurism to even be watching the movie. There was one thing I read that the writer of the screenplay, he originally wanted, and I'm assuming this fell through because how you would execute this, it does not seem possible. But his original plan was for there to be hidden cameras in every theater where it was played. And then there was going to be a part of the movie that showed the audience that was watching the movie. (laughs) That would have been awesome. I think that's interesting. Yeah. It's a good idea. But how on earth would you do that for a commercial movie? Right. Maybe for the premiere. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that was the one of the strongest points that I found within within this category. Um, but what were some of the strengths that you found? Well, definitely world building. Oh yeah, like you know, you usually think of world building as being a thing in like a fantasy movie, but really, like they they did a lot of world building and like just the history of the show, the building of the studio. How does this show, um, you know, work? and the different people that have created the show like it was just this whole like you know thing that involved a lot of history and a lot of things that you had to learn as the movie went along yeah and I thought that that was done really well yeah and Um, I like to like a lot of um like the exposition as far as like what the Truman show actually is like we get little bits in the very beginning and then it's like pretty much the whole first act goes by before we get introduced to the behind the scenes of the Truman show. Like, we oh yeah, I don't back. even think you see inside their little like moon control room until much later. I want to say later. like three quarters through the movie. Yeah, it's, it's like near or at the, the last act mm-hmm. break. Like it's, yeah. So I did really, I gave them, um, yeah, I gave the world building exhibition a very high score as well for, for similar reasons. Just the, the subtle way that everything was introduced. I never mm-hmm. felt lost or confused throughout the storytelling. And yet like the exposition was steady throughout, which I thought was really nice. Yeah. I gave a lot of tens to these subcategories just because I thought that the, the plot was structured and paced really well. Like it, it dives you 
right in at the beginning with the light falling from the sky and Truman starts having doubts about his world like it just goes right in and there's never a break where it starts to get boring or repetitive like every scene feeds into the next scene and it's got really perfect pacing I think and I think the originality is really good so when we're talking about like genres and cliches like it's just it's just so unique and different you know which was like really I think why I like this movie in the first place when it first came out um I did though for as much as I just praised the world building I gave it a 9.5 instead of a 10 because one thing that I see as a plot hole and this has always bothered me about this movie is that is it a 24-7 feed or are there episodes? Because if I feel like it goes back and forth and yeah. it never really, I never really seem to understand like what the show is that people are watching. I think they definitely say it's a 24-hour They say feed. explicitly that it's 24-7, no commercial breaks, and yeah. it has been going since he was born. They say that explicitly, but before they say that, when the movie's almost over... I'm totally under the impression that there's like episodes because they're showing flashbacks and they refer to, oh, this was the storm episode. And like, like, you know, and and it could be they can't they can't possibly be like pulling up footage from the past 30 years of the specific date. Like when he's looking at a sweater and they're like, we're going to show the flashback like they can't pull that up on the spot. I don't know. That has never made sense to me. Yeah. I think they should have just, like, let it be, like, episodes. And who's going to watch him just sleep all night anyway? That would be so Well, they so say in boring. the beginning, people, people would put it on to help them sleep. So That's that was, like, stupid. Nobody it's creepy. I don't know about nobody. <laughs> I don't know. People do weird things. Although, to be fair, like, there, there are... There are things that happened before this movie came out that would have influenced them to even suggest that there is a channel like this. Like, there, you know, have been performance art pieces where people, like, live in a box and you watch them take a nap and stuff like that. And um, one thing, I just listened to a podcast about this the other day, which is why I, like, know it by name. But there was this, um, this girl who had Jenny Cam. Have you heard of Jenny Cam? It was essentially just her recording herself all of the time for years. She just like, it was just a webcam that just went and she had no filter. She showed everything that she did. Literally no filter. And it was just like Like performance going to the bathroom and stuff? Going to the bathroom, having sex, masturbating. Weirdly, that stuff seemed, I'm like, that makes sense. But going to the bathroom does not. I don't know. know, But I think why something like that would exist is because the voyeur and everybody is like, let's check in and see what Jenny is up to right now. It just gets everybody's curiosity, I guess. Yeah. Did that start like in the 90s? 1996. I looked it up okay, before wow. before we recorded. And yeah, and this movie came out in 98. All right, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, anyway. <laughs> so should we talk about the characters? Um, or do you want to talk about that? You said you wanted to talk about like why some scenes stuck with you over others. Does that come up? Um, I suppose. I don't really know. Now that I'm looking at it, I don't really know what category it would uh come in so I guess I'll just I guess it would kind of be with plot um one of the things that um that stuck with me when I from watching it as a kid 
um, was all of the the advertising. Um, why am I forgetting the term for that? Um, product placement. Product placement. Thank you. Um, all of the product placement. Like I remember as a kid thinking those were hilarious. <laughs> they are pretty funny. They're funny, but like as an adult, I'm like, this is funny, but like in a sinister, like unsettling kind of way. It's dystopian. Like, yeah. It is. Cause like, I mean, he's sitting there going like, my world is falling apart. She's like, have some cocoa. Mm-hmm. And that's cause they're not even like modern type advertising. Like they're very fifties, like, mm-hmm. you know, leave it to beaver. And they even reference things like, you know, I love Lucy. Like, like, you know, and uh, you know, she's wearing her like June Cleaver outfits and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's very, and her, her nurse's outfit is very like there's just like this fifties sitcom vibe to it. And it's very, I mean, it is funny, but like not the way I thought as a kid. Like I just remember thinking it was just laugh out loud hilarious. And I'm yeah. like, it is really funny, but like in this unsettling, like it's more about the the contrast between like what is going on and what is. You know, mm-hmm. what, the, what the audience is seeing versus what Truman is seeing. And it's unsettling, but it's funny. But anyway, I definitely remember making, like, fake commercials as a kid. And and <laughs> probably because of, because of this movie. Like, although my thing wasn't necessarily, like, fake product placement. It was, like, the fake medicine commercials where, like, like symptoms may include partial limb loss and death. <laughs> like, that was a weird kid. Um, so I don't know where I got that from, but anyway, it sounds like a Saturday Night Live. Thing. I'm I'm like certain, school, yeah. yeah, I'm certain I must have seen something like that. Um, but anyway, so that's one thing that that really stuck with me as a kid that was interesting looking back on it and just having a a similar but different perception of those scenes. Um, and then another one, I don't know why I have such a vivid memory of this scene, but the scene where he's in the car and he like gets his wife in the car and then he's like, oh, like, look, I know who's going to walk by next. Like, I, that seems like it's cemented. Yeah. It is, but like, and it was only like half the scene. Like, it was just like until the bug goes by and then he like flips out and is like, woohoo. Well, look when at he's him. like driving around in the circle and, going and I, crazy I had no too. memory of that though. Really? Yeah. I thought that was one that. I don't know, made an impression. You would think. Because that was, you know, Jim Carrey at his Jim Carreyist in that right. movie. Right, yeah. Um, and then there was one more, and now I'm not remembering. Oh, the the end scene, of course. Like, that mm-hmm. that stuck with me for sure. The, the like, dr- almost drowning part, like, I remembered as I was watching it, but then I definitely remembered, you know, him approaching the wall and seeing the staircase mm-hmm. and, and talking to the the godlike voice. Mm-hmm. Like, like, that was pretty well cemented. Um, so those three things were really, I don't know, just all that I had. I don't know what interest that is to anybody, so I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'll cut it out, but the advertising one seemed interesting just because different perspectives. Anyway, um, so yeah, so I guess that was just what I wanted to say about that. Um, so before we move on to characters, what was your total for for writing plot and genre? Uh, the average came to 9.92. Wow. Uh, mine was high, but not quite that high. I had an eight point seven. I didn't think of anything in this movie. The writing, the writing, maybe is in solid. the and the acting and casting. Um, but really, like the writing, it's a really, really original and well done screenplay. It is. It's it's definitely definitely solid. Um, yeah, I don't really have any specific reasons for why I gave it lower than you because I do. I agree. It's a very well written script. Um, which brings us to the next category, which is going to be writing characters. Um, and this section, like, I really thought that, like, the 
the internal needs versus the outer goals for for the character of Truman was really interesting because like you know he had this this fear of water that was really like his internal need was to to overcome this fear in a lot of ways and and then in so doing he discovers this whole world in front of him you know that he didn't even know was there which I think is is actually a pretty poignant message um obviously that's you know everybody's fears are different and the the world that their fears are blocking them from is different but I think that that it was just a a very well balanced uh, and then with his outer goals we didn't mention this much in the last category but just of like he wants to get off this island like it's such a such a simple goal but it's so relatable like I think that's why you know you get this really kind of like absurd plot and kind of fantastical sci-fi-ish sort of story but it's relatable because it's like he's just like anybody who's like is this all there is right yeah so I really like that and I, I thought that the just his his character just the the relatability and the um just just his growth throughout I mean the you know, when he overcomes his fear and gets out there on the ocean, like you really like, we're just like the, the people watching in the movie. And like, when he gets to the wall, it's like, yes, like you did it. Like it's, it's exhilarating. It's an mm-hmm. exciting moment. Um, so I just, I thought that just the, the emotional journey. And like you said, especially for such a outlandish and, and kind of absurd at times premise, um, to have just that connection with the characters and with the emotions. Uh, I thought it was just handled really, really mm-hmm. well. I also think when you're talking about the character's outer goals and inner needs, um, I mean, Truman's are really well done and obviously the most central to the movie and the plot. But I think the secondary characters are really interesting, too, because obviously everyone's outer goal is to keep Truman from getting away or finding stuff out. That's everyone's outer goal, except for Truman. Right. Um, But their inner needs, or, like, you could also call it, like, their motivations for doing that are very different from person to person. And no ones are stated explicitly. We don't really get backstory. I mean, we get the history of the show, but we don't get any of the characters' backstory or explanation of what has motivated them to do things. But you can tell what they are for different characters just by, you know, references to things. You've got... Kristoff is, like, this god character, and I think, you know, he's got this god complex at some point where he needs to be in charge and this is his beautiful creation he doesn't care what's best for truman he cares about his creation staying intact exactly the way that he ever intended for it to be yeah and then you've got um meryl the wife who you know, when she breaks down and she's afraid and she, you know, gets rescued and hugs the the best friend and is like, oh, you saved me. It, she says something about like, oh, I can't handle working under these conditions. It's unprofessional. And that's yeah. like the first time she ever breaks character. And it's like she is so professional about yeah. everything. She also has no care one way or the other what's best for Truman. She's about her own needs and it's yeah. all about her career and her yeah. success as an as an actress or whatever you want to call her. Right. Um so I think that stuff is interesting too. Yeah. I really found myself fascinated with the character of the wife because she's really like it's almost like a 
like this is getting back to genre a little bit too, but it's almost like Stepford Wives or Invasion There's of the Body Snatchers. There's a lot of Stepford Wives sort of stuff here. I don't think it's like a direct reference, but I think um, they chose all of these like 40s um, aesthetics for yeah. a reason. Right. And I think that that's because that's a time that was known for everyone wanting to look and act a certain way and not right. wanting to let anybody know about what they didn't want you to know. Right. So, and that just kind of like fits, you know, the motives of, you know, having, you know, this creation and this is exactly what I made it to be. Nothing's wrong here, you know, and right. just hiding anything that's an imperfection or, yeah. you know, against the plan. Yeah. Um, but that definitely brings out a lot of like Stepford Wives type stories yeah. where you have, you know, all of these people who are only allowed to act one way and they have yeah. to do it in this exact robotic way or else. Right. Who knows? But you just can't do that. Yeah. And I did like to with her, like going back to the advertising aspect, like just like anytime anything went wrong, like her her immediate response was like there's an ad, like, mm-hmm. and he's upset and pretending to fix the lawnmower. And you should really get rid of that and, and look into getting this fancy new one. <laughs> you know, and like, uh, what was it? The hot chocolate one. And he's like, he's like, what are you talking about? Like, this, I'm talking about real things and you're talking mm-hmm. to nobody about hot chocolate. Like, what? Like, like there's really, like, a, a social commentary about, about capitalism maybe in there and just, like, the... I don't know, stuff as a solution to problem. I mean, maybe I could very well be reading way too much into it. Um, but I just thought that was interesting that, like, I, like she has no no regard for his feelings. She does not seem to care that he's going through something, and it's all about yeah, I think like, it's about, like, like, the consumerism and capitalism commentaries are maybe a little bit about, like, stuff as solutions to problems, but also... I think even more so about what's the most important thing here? Is it helping somebody feel better or like letting them live their own life or like people finding happiness and individuality or what's really the most important thing? Making money. Right. Yeah, I do think it's interesting. There's that one point where they're like, like, oh, every single thing you see is available for sale. You can check yeah. out the Truman catalog. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, one thing I was going to say as far as characters go, there is one character that I kind of had a problem with. Okay, which character is that? Truman's dad. Okay. I 100% get him returning, like, sneaking back in and trying to, like, warn Truman and being, like, the, the rebel. But then he got recast on the show... Who trusted him to do that, and why would he agree unless he was planning on something later anyway? Which wouldn't Kristoff know that, like, what? who would trust? That didn't make any sense to me, why they would trust him and let him back on. I mean, I Do guess they know? want to make the story, whatever, but... Yeah, we don't necessarily know why he <laughs> came back, though. Like, they don't say he came back to warn Truman, they say he came back because he was upset that he got written off. Although that happened how many years ago? And he's just now coming back to do something. Um, and still, even if... I mean, that does sound like some sort of revenge. When he snuck back to talk to Truman and Truman 
But he didn't say he wanted to warn him about anything. He just said, like, hey, Truman. <laughs> like, I think he just wanted back on the show. I don't I don't know that it was necessarily. That could be. I guess I, I didn't I, think about that. But I do agree that they, they probably shouldn't have trusted him. It didn't, he didn't seem trustworthy in that manner. No. Unless, I suppose if it really was just because he was mad, then paying him to get back on the show would. Settle that. Settle that, yeah. Yeah. I do want to change something really quick. <laughs> that happens sometimes once you get talking. I know. I thought character development was perfect. Um, That's what I'm fixing now. I realized that was much too low. Um, for all the characters. Because it's really only over time that we start to see any of these secret motives. Yeah. Um, for the people trying to keep Trubin in. And that kind of is linked to character arcs as well. Likeability. Everybody was likable, honestly, except the people that you didn't like because you weren't supposed to like them and then you kind of right. love to hate them. So. Exactly. The one thing that got a little bit low within this category, and I don't really have... I don't know if I should go higher on it or not. I gave Dialogue a 7 out of 10, which still exceeds expectations, um, but is a lot lower than some of the other categories. Um, it just seems like it's not like it's not the most quotable movie ever, and it's not. The, I but then I was gonna say it's not the most realistic, but then it, that kind of helps because see now I'm all thinking I'm too harsh on it because I like that like it it doesn't feel like they're having like the, it feels a little stilted because it is a little still you know like that's I thought that the dialogue was great like I'm, I think yeah. every word out of Truman's mouth is like his dialogue was great. I was thinking <laughs> yeah. more of the secondary characters but then they're supposed to be but they're doing the, the, the Stepford yeah. thing which they need to go. do and then when they break it's jarring yeah I'm gonna go I'm gonna go an 8.5 instead of a 7 out of 10 because that was too low I think I was trying to find something within this category to be a little harsh on, but I mean, in reality, it's just, it's a fantastic script and it's really the, I mean, the plot and genre was fantastic as well, but for me, the the characters is where it really shines. Like, this mm -hmm. is just, this is a great movie and a great character study and, and just a, a very well-crafted script when it comes to, to characters, which in a lot of very well-crafted scripts, characters tend to get a little neglected. Mm -hmm. And this is the opposite. Like, the, the characters really had a chance to shine. You know, I read just a little bit about Andrew Nichol after watching this movie again, because that name doesn't even ring a bell to me. And See, I was sounds wondering, familiar, like, what yeah. else he had written. He has not written very much else, but you know, this was his very first movie that he wrote. So it was like a breakout script for him. And then you know what? He wrote um, afterwards... Wait, hmm. this came out in 1997, so maybe it was before. Anyway, close to this movie, one of the other movies that he wrote was Gattaca. Okay. So he's kind of... And there are a bunch of other movies that he wrote that... Um, I thought Gattaca was a particularly interesting one, but he's kind hmm. of got a niche for social commentary sci-fi or okay. pseudo-sci-fi, which this sort of is. It's not really sci-fi, but it's kind of got that dystopian element that yeah. is almost sci-fi. I don't know. It doesn't really fit into a genre exactly, but right. he's kind of got like, I don't know, he likes dystopian stuff. Okay. I should look into him then because I also like dystopian stuff. Um, was there anything else you wanted to talk about within the writing characters section? I don't think so. All right. What was your total score? 9.8. Wow. All right. Um, I gave it an 8.9. 
Um, still outstanding. Uh, definitely, um, definitely a good script. Do you know, I, I saw on IMDb that it won some awards and I forgot to check which ones. Did you happen to find that in any of your It's ratings? It was nominated for Best Screenplay um, and Ed Harris had a nomination for Oscars. Um, but it didn't. It didn't win either of those. It didn't win any Oscars. Mm-hmm. I think Jim Carrey got a Golden Globe, which makes sense because the Golden Globes has a comedy category. Yeah. So I'm sure they classified it as a commentary. I'm sure. So I think it won a bunch of Golden Globes because of their classification. That makes a lot of um, sense. Yeah. I'm not sure about other writing awards, though. To be honest with you. Okay, I was mostly curious about the Academy Awards because, mm-hmm. yeah, I wonder what it lost to. Because <laughs> this is just a one of the best scripts out there. It's mm-hmm. so good. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, that brings us to the next category, um, which is going to be acting and casting. Another very good category for this movie, I think. It was pretty good. I have a few. <laughs> you disagree? Well, my biggest thing, and I, I'm going to be, I'm going to get some hate for this potentially, but I'm not the biggest Jim Carrey fan. And I Well, I'm, this is interesting. Like, we need to have a Jim Carrey discussion at some point in this podcast because... Yeah. Nobody likes Jim Carrey anymore, but this was peak Jim Carrey. And this was also, I mean, I remember when this movie came out, and I think this is why I found it jarring, because I don't remember him being, like, I remember him being more Eternal Sunshine Jim Carrey instead of Ace Ventura Jim Carrey, which he wasn't quite that either. But I remembered it being more on the serious side, and I remember when this movie came out. I mean, this was the first time he had done something that wasn't. You know, and he was sure. at the height of his career. So, okay, I wrote this down. I'm, I took okay. notes on this because okay. I think it's just important to, like, thinking about where this falls in Jim Carrey's career. So he did a bunch of stuff in the 80s and 90s, of course. But, like, when we're talking about him reading, reaching the height of his career, his biggest hits. So, like, 1994, Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, The Mask, Dumb and Dumber, all in the same year came out. Those were all, I saw those were all together. I didn't realize all they were all. three of them came out in 1994. Wow. The year after that, he did the Riddler and Batman Forever. The year after that was the Ace Ventura sequel. Then 1996 was The Cable Guy. 1997 was Liar Liar. Like, those this. are all huge hits. And yeah. then this came out in 1998 and was his first ever foray outside of total slapstick comedy. Yeah. Which, which I appreciate. It just still seemed to look like... And when you look at his IMDb, like, he definitely made a choice that he wanted to steer away from that. He started with this, which was excellent. The year after that, he did Man on the Moon, which didn't do so well as a movie, but his performance was pretty celebrated. I I feel like it's gotten, I could be wrong on this, but I feel like it has quite the cult following now Mm -hmm. and, and is considered one of his better movies. But I could be, I'm not a big Jim Carrey fan so i'm not sure yeah. if that's quite accurate but i feel like that's a thing i've heard if, wait what was what you heard <laughs> that that man in the moon has has become uh a favorite for for some people as far as like thinking it's one of his best performances oh i've never mm. seen it and i, don't I haven't really know either. that much about it except yeah. that it didn't do very well but he got like really into like weird method acting and was obnoxious on set but had a, a good performance as far as i know so yeah I don't know. It's just kind of interesting as far as like, you know, where that falls in his career. It's hard to imagine going from, you know, Ace Ventura and the mask to method acting, you know, like 
which is kind of interesting. Eternal Sunshine wasn't until 2004. Oh, I thought it was 2001. That's later than I thought. No, 2004. And um, so 2000 was when he did The Grinch. And that was the first, like, kids movie that he did. And he has just been doing, like, kid-related and family-friendly stuff. Like, that's really the bulk of what he's done ever since. Yeah. He's got odds and ends thrown in there. Like, Eternal Sunshine was really good. He's done some, like, thrillers that were yeah, not very random things. memorable. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, he's done some... He did Bruce Almighty and stuff like that. But even that kind of Which falls into family-friendly. Family. Yeah, yeah. That was very much so a family movie, so, from, from what I recall. It's been a long time. And I think a lot of white people just kind of don't like him anymore. I think it falls into two things. Like, one is just, like, he's got, like, stuff in his personal life that people aren't really into. And I think, you know, it makes people just kind of apprehensive about him. And then I also think that, like, all of the stuff that he was so popular for mid-90s... Like, we just got fatigued of it. It's hard yeah. to look back on that stuff and chuckle at it now. It's like, oh Yeah. See, so. and I even felt that way. There were, like, I'll admit <laughs> the acting categories were a little bit low, mostly in line deliveries, just because um, it was just a little too Jim Carrey. And I'm, I, I, I wish it had been a little more Eternal You thought Sunshine. this movie was a little too Jim Carrey? Yeah. See, no. I thought that it fit in this movie. I thought that it worked yeah, really most of the time. well in this movie because he was doing like this super upbeat tripper guy who's like, you know, making dumb work jokes and, and yeah. you know, smiling at the neighbors and all that. And then he like has these moments where he's just like, this is ridiculous. And he's like freaking <laughs> out. Like, I just think it's like... I don't know. It's just kind of, again, just like sort of relatable and like anybody like like in a workplace comedy kind of a way. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think he's he's funny in this movie. Like, I don't look yeah. back at, you know, the mask and think it's funny, but I look back at this and I think he's really funny in it. All right. <laughs> it wasn't like it's not like I'm like, oh, man, I almost couldn't watch the movie. Like, it's, it's a phenomenal movie. Mm-hmm. There's just a few times where I'm like, okay, and this is the part where he's Jim Carrey. <laughs> yeah. And, but I'm just, I, I but have I a... But I think that that's something that he brought to this movie that gave it some levity and really, yeah. like, balanced it out with... I think that those were aspects that it kind of needed. Yeah. Yeah, some of those scenes, like, especially when he's, like, freaking out in the scenes with his wife and it's like... Like with, it with, goes dark comedy, right? Yeah. And yeah. without the comedy, it's just yeah, if he, dark. If he, yeah, if he wasn't quite so over the top, it would be like, oh, this is scary. Yeah, you know? which could be an interesting movie too, but it would be a different movie. Totally different. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, I get it all. I just, I, I don't know. I think there's just a part of my brain that just turns off when that kind of humor. Like I just don't like. Because I even thought, I mean, Robin Williams is was amazing. But a lot of his movies, I just, I'm like, I can't. It's tiring. It. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like, you just, he just never turned it off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and I feel the same way. It's the same. Perry. Yeah. It's a similar comedy style for sure. Yeah. Um, so that was really, really the main thing I had. Um, I did, I'm in this, I don't want to be a broken record, but I do just love like Laura Lenny in this movie. Um, just, just, I just found her character so intriguing and a lot mm-hmm. of it was just, like, like, I mean, her line deliveries were, were fantastic, yeah. like I was saying with, like... And she's, like, adorable and evil. Yeah, like, she's just... <laughs> yeah, it's just such a good balance, and the... Just her, her facial expressions are just, like... 
like, like I said, like Stepford Wives. Like it's so she seems so like perfect fifties mm-hmm. housewife, and then there's just this sinister level to it. There's a lot of fabulous face acting throughout this movie, like with her and some of the other um, people who are actors in Truman's world. Like you get, they're they're working so hard to like not break character, not break face, act a certain way. And then there are those moments where like you see the panic kind of like breaking through. Yeah. And like it's there, it's really well done. I agree. And just really good reaction shots too. Like when, um, when Kristoff is reacting to Truman leaving and, yeah. Um, you know, and when Truman is reacting to like not being able to get away, like it's 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 devastating because the performance really delivers. Yeah. I also really like all of the um the audience members when we see their reactions, like just to see like it's this weird concept of like they are rooting for him like 100 percent. And yet like they're basically watching like a prisoner who doesn't know he's a prisoner. Like it's this weird concept of like, how can you seem to love this person so much? And then like when he escapes, they all like they cheer and and get happy. And then like, can we talk about this? Okay. The extras. Well, I, I put this under extras, not really like the extras, but like the, the viewers that you keep seeing throughout the movie. What did you think of them? I liked most of them. I loved the waitresses and the, and the old ladies, were were kind of funny, I guess, or or charming or whatever. Do you think that the viewers were portrayed in a positive light or a negative light? That's a tough question. Cause like I said, like they they're so invested in this and so like I mean I did. There were a few times like with the waitresses, I'm like, I'm glad I'm not eating at their restaurant. Do people ever get their food? <laughs> <laughs> like they just are glued to the TV. Um, which I do, th- I mean, I think it's very much so a social commentary on uh, media consumption and things like that. I mean, that's the whole movie pretty much. Well, yeah, you get so. everybody who's just like so emotionally invested in this and then it's over and he's out and they're like, what else, what is, else on? is on TV? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was getting kind of ridiculous, the reactions to this show though. I mean, like they're like, if something really good happens on TV and you're like, so into it and you're like this is the best thing i've ever seen on tv this is just like the best scene ever and this makes me so happy do you like turn around and hug the other people on the couch (laughs) like i don't think so (laughs) i mean i agree i would not do that (laughs) that's just strange i'd be like what are you doing i do think there's it does seem like there would be a different dynamic, though, because it was uninterrupted airtime of this one person and his life. So I do think there would be but maybe... I, I think it was really critical. I think the portrayal of the viewers, even though there was, like, a nice sense of community around everybody being happy about the same thing, which I think is something we experience in real life, like when we all watch, you know, something awesome happen at the Olympics yeah. or, you know, like when these big things happen on TV and like the whole country watched it. Yeah. Like there is a sense of community around something that we saw on television. Like that can, that's a real thing. But I think that the film was also really critical of these people for like, being so invested in this show and always being on their couch watching this show. And it's like, do you have your own life? Like, cause it really seemed like they did not. 
I like don't the think waitresses they did. at least like were at work, but like some of these people were just like at home on their couch twenty four seven. In his bathtub, the bathtub guy was weird. Watches TV in the bathtub anyway. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I do think it was very much. I mean, it almost reminded me. I haven't actually seen the whole movie, but from what I know of it, like Wally, where it's like. Oh, humanity has just gone downhill and is always on their, like, technological devices. Yeah, that's devices. a lot more heavy-handed than this well, one. Well, sure. So. I mean, it's Pixar. Everything's going to be more heavy-handed. I mean, that one is, like, really That's what I've heard. And I've seen... We watched, like, several clips in one of my They're classes, literally, but. like... Like, all humans are portrayed as, like, 500-pound people yeah. with, like, and fat like rolls falling off of their scooters yeah. and, like, shoving hamburgers in their mouth. Like, it's really, like... It doesn't get much more heavy-handed than that. Anyway, that's neither here nor there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so it wasn't that heavy-handed, but I do think... uh, And it is kind of interesting going from... um, You know, we just reviewed 2001 A Space Odyssey, which was also had, had a lot of themes of, you know, being surrounded by technology. But I felt like it was really positive in 2001, for the most part. I don't want to rehash too much of of that review, Um, but I do think it's just interesting to kind of compare and contrast like what was going on there and then with with this movie where it's it's much more negative. It's not really about technology so much as it's very specifically about about media reality TV. But that which yeah, I wanted to talk about this too because this is so it feels so much like a commentary on reality tv which was still like two years which away. was started yeah i mean i mean there was survivor some. took off in 1997 but surely this movie oh, I was it, was it wasn't 2000 1997 oh it must have been the a particular season that i saw yeah. so i was looking at a, at a timeline of reality tv for exactly with like before we even started watching it i was like i want to I want to see how, where this movie fits in with the timeline, right, and it's right. so early. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, there was there was the real world on MTV. And yeah, that that's was about like an big early one. example, and there yeah. there's like things here and there that go all the way back to like the beginning of like forty eight, yeah, candid camera and stuff like that. But I mean, right. it's not like reality TV like we know today, right? Yeah, I it's mean, not, like, it's the not real the, world the... is kind of like the main first example. But then, yeah. like, Survivor was started in 97. Big Brother started in 99. American Idol, 2001. The Osbournes, 2002. And I feel like the Osbournes was, like, the first one that really blasted off that whole, like, semi-scripted mm-hmm. reality TV. Is right. it really real? Is it not real? I don't really think this is real, but we're all acting like it's real. Right. Which... That's what the Truman Show feels like. It's, it's criticizing, right. but that didn't start until like five years later. So yeah, it's it's yeah, it's trippy. <laughs> Do you think that? So like, I this is kind of a dark question. So like, okay. we we have stuff now, like all these like expose books that come out about The Bachelor. We've got shows like Unreal and like all these like behind the scenes. Um, stories about the manipulation and the exploitation that happens behind the scenes on these sets of reality shows do you think that they that the reality show producers were inspired by the truman show i was i, <laughs> I was gonna wait to talk about that and to, to impact on film because that was something i considered for for historical inspirational impacts because i i wasn't sure i was like 
is it fair to say that this movie inspired reality TV? Because it sure seems that way. I mean, I think that there were things happening in art and pop culture and the birth of the internet. I mean, not the birth of the internet, but but the taking off of the internet. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest Um, things, yeah. All these things were happening around this time that just kind of fed into this where it happened alongside of it and not so much like those things happened because of this. Right. But even so, I mean, you look at this and it you you can look at it one way and that's that when they wrote this script, they were kind of looking at things that were happening and predicting the way that TV was going to go and predicting the way that society was going. They happened to be like spot on. They nailed it. But then you can also read it and be like, they made this show and then like they're they they have this character that they have like made to be afraid of water and made to be afraid yeah. of traveling and made to be, you know, staying in one place and just like scared of all these irrational things for the benefit of the show. And right. I just imagine these producers watching that and just being like, hmm, this is not interesting, and just twiddling their little fingers. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it did remind me when they were walking around wearing those shirts, the like behind-the-scenes staff uh-huh. in the moon, and they had shirts. I forget exactly what it said, but it was like, it was like love him, protect him, yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's what it said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it did kind of remind I don't even know. I don't know how many people remember the show or how many people even watched it to begin with, but I know we watched it. Do you remember um, the Joe Schmo show? No. That's what this this kind of reminded me of. It was basically like like a fake Big Brother. Okay. But one person did not know it was fake. Was it in itself a reality show? Yes. <laughs> it was just a reality show. <laughs> and it, it was, it's hilarious. Like, I remember watching it. And it's actually, Kristen Wiig is in it. Like, she wasn't famous yet. So she was one of the, like, quote unquote contestants who was, like, one of the fake contestants. Who was in on it. Yes. And oh so it's gosh. all of these actors. And it's, it's pretty funny. <laughs> but then, like, the older I get, like, I see this poor, this poor Joe Schmo. And I'm like, that's this funny. poor guy, because I think he was genuine. And they talk about it, like there's, and Kristen Wiig has talked about it, uh-huh. obviously, since she's like the one, I think the only person from that group that, that turned out to turns, be famous. Exactly. Yeah. So she's been asked about it, and she's like, she's like, we genuinely didn't think he would, because he was like, like by the end of it, he's like, are you kidding me? Like I thought this was real. Like I got to be friends with you guys. I thought like we were like working as a team to do like, and he was like, I think he was like genuinely like damaged by it and i don't think anyone saw it coming i'm like this that is the truman show would like feel very violating yeah yeah so it was, and they tried to do another one and this is even worse this one i don't they tried to do one that was like the bachelor where one of the people didn't know i'm like now you're putting love into the, i mean <laughs> quote unquote love but right. still and i think after that they realized how bad of an idea it was and we i didn't watch that one um Reality TV took a dark turn. Like when it got really popular, it was pretty dark for a while. It, they they were willing to turn like anything a, into a show, and then ugly it, ugly swan or what was that one? I or? don't even know what they were all called. But there's just there's there are a lot of examples of just like yeah. I cannot believe they did that for a show. Yeah, it got except where they had to get married on the air, like on the spot. And oh yeah, there's I think there's still a few like that. 
Ugh. Although it might be more like a, a dating thing and then they get married at the end. I yeah. don't know. But yeah, reality TV gets pretty dark. But, but that's what I kept... Re- I feel like it has improved a lot lately because oh, yeah. eventually that led to backlash where people are like, come right. on. Yeah. Well, and now we're in like the revival of scripted TV where there's Thank like God. so much, so much content available. The vast majority is not reality TV, so. Yeah. Thank God for Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> I did think when you were talking about um, Kristoff and Hit, right? Uh, now, I, honestly, I don't remember what you were saying that made me pull this quote up. Um, but ju- I just think just the the predictions and and where things went after this movie. But like the very first thing we hear, I think it's the first thing we hear in this movie is Kristoff like explaining the show. As so I pulled up the quote, this is what he says. I just think it's interesting. Um, so he says, "We've become bored with watching actors give us phony emotions. We are tired of pyrotechnics and special effects." While the world he inhabits is, in some respects, counterfeit, there's nothing fake about Truman himself. No scripts, no cue cards. It isn't always Shakespeare, but it's genuine. It is life. Um, So I just think that that's really... Because I feel like that... I mean, that was the birth of reality TV. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, we want life. Like, let's, let's, let's see people as they are. And I think that... And it got so far away from that. Um, but I just think that, I think that that's an interesting concept of like, well, everything around him, I guess is kind of fake, but he's not. And it's like, but wouldn't he be though? Like he, he, his whole life is a lie. It doesn't that, maybe it doesn't make him fake. He's still obviously very much so a real person and that's why he needed to get out. Um, well, and it comes back to, you know, the criticisms of consumerism. I mean, they're consuming a human being. Yeah. I guess the, the first legal he was adoption adopted by a, a corporation. corporation. Yeah. Yeah. All right, we went on just a little bit off topic from yeah, the acting I'm and casting. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what category we're even um, on. We're in acting and casting. We're talking about, um, talking about Jim Carrey and somehow, I don't well, know. Well, anyway, I think that I gave everything 10 in this, except for the extras, which I gave 9 because I found the viewers to be a little bit grating and weirdly, like, and I couldn't, I couldn't quite tell if that was, like, intentional or not. It just found them a little bit annoying the more and more elaborate they got in their reactions to TV. I'm just like, calm down, you guys. Like, (laughs) this is weird. It's one thing to, like, smile and clap, but you don't need to be, like, hugging everybody in the room and, like... Yeah. Freaking right out. Like, it was just <laughs> too much. Okay. Um, but the casting was phenomenal. I think that, um, in particular, obviously, like, the three main leads, Jim Carrey, Laura Linney, Ed Harris, like, just yeah. all amazing in their roles. Like, you can't imagine yeah. anybody else in those roles once you've seen them. Right. Yeah, that's fair. And they're, they're just really, and they did a really good job. All right. Uh, what was your total score for acting and casting? 9.8. All right. Uh, mine was quite a bit lower than yours. I gave it 7.8. Um, mostly um, line deliveries took a bit of a hit just because Jim Carrey was a little too Jim Carrey at times. Um, and, and I also gave um, secondary characters and extras were a little bit on the lower side um, for similar reasons that you were talking about, like with the the viewers and, and things like that, laying it on a little thick at times. Um but yeah, still a strong score. Still, still exceeds expectations. Um, all right. So after all, I think this is going to be a fairly quick category. 
Um, but moving on to the next one, uh, this is going to be cinematography lighting. Yeah, I have, like, nothing to say about this. Yeah, literally <laughs> the only thing that I really have to say, um, like, like, pretty I mean, this movie just looked, it looked pretty generic and really didn't do anything fantastic, which I would have given it, I would have given everything fives, but I gave everything um, sixes just because, I think because it's, like, a reality show, like, having it feel a little bit on the bland side actually helps. And then I gave um, realism and storytelling both eight out of 10 um, instead of six out of 10 for a similar reason that like, because of the nature of the story, like that highly realistic um, kind of lighting, even though it's boring and would in, in most other movies would get, you know, fives down the line. Um, it, I think this movie kind of called for it. Um, but that's really all I have to say about lighting. It's not a very exciting category for this movie. It's, that's all there is to it, really. It's just not an exciting category for it. Like, they they didn't do anything with lighting where it was like, wow, that was really cool and interesting. Were things lit poorly? No. And I don't think that lighting always needs to be the center of attention. Right. It's generally something that you, like, don't want to notice unless it's making right. a specific like artistic point so um I just kind of I wrote in my notes that it was just kind of nothing special because it just kind of if if there's anything in here where I'm like yeah that looks like a 90s movie it's kind of like the lighting and just kind of the general look of a lot of this movie yeah. um so I gave I gave it nines down the board Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I just, I think I approach it differently than you. Like, I feel yeah. like it didn't do anything wrong, so it doesn't need to be, like, fives. Okay. Um, it just wasn't quite, like, a ten, because it was just kind of normal and... All right. And good, just not, like, anything where I was like, wow. That's fair. All right, so your total, you said it was all nine, so your total would be a nine out of ten? It's a nine, yeah. All right, uh, mine came out to a, a 6.8 out of ten. Uh, and that brings us to our next category, which is going to be cinematography camera work. Um, and I really, um, really liked the camera work throughout this movie. Um, I definitely liked things like the the masking of the camera, like every mm -hmm. time we're seeing, you know, through through the eyes of whatever camera we're seeing through. And, and you know, you get to like there were different types of masks that kind of told you where the camera was located, mm -hmm. which I thought was really neat. And then even just things like the the compositions of some of the things, like it just felt, uh, like it just felt very voyeuristic. Like even mm -hmm. when we weren't, it didn't have the masking that showed us, like we're specifically looking through a camera, there were things where, um, you know, he'd only be, you know, half his face would be in frame or it'd be a kind of a weird angle. Like, and it felt, you know, without having that, um, you know, handheld shaky cam mockumentary kind of like that's usually what we're used to for things like this yeah. but obviously that wouldn't be the case this was a different kind of realism exactly so so i really liked just the way the the you know lack of a camera movement in most scenes mm -hmm. and and the masking and, and camera angles and composition i just thought everything worked really well and worked together really well to to tell the story and really and, and make us feel voyeuristic um, watching it and really, um, you know, make this feel like a, a thing that exists, you know, that, mm -hmm. that the Truman Show is 
is is a thing that we're looking in on. Yeah. Um, so I, I really liked the the camera work for all of those reasons. I thought it was one of the stronger points in the movie. Yeah, camera work isn't normally something that I notice, but definitely like when I stopped and thought like, what did I think about the camera work in this movie? It was like, yeah, like there was a lot of hidden camera stuff where you knew where it was coming from and it was interesting because the camera work was telling part of the story. So that was um that that was just like really well done and interesting cuz camera angles and camera work don't typically help tell the story in that way. So, yeah. Um and I also thought there were some uh like this kind of goes back to the face acting, but there were really nice close-ups of people's like reaction shots and emotional shots that didn't feel so like this is the close-up now like they were subtle and really like well done because because I think part of it was because they were at these kind of unusual angles yeah and I don't know I just thought it was interesting and well done all right tens down the board for camera work for me oh wow I thought for sure I was gonna have one higher than you for once (laughs) mine wasn't I I'm pretty stingy with my perfect tens. <laughs> um, I did really like the camera work, but it came out to a 9.2 for me. So still still outstanding, getting close to that perfect range, but I am pretty stingy with my What tens. did you mark down? Um, storytelling was the only one that got a perfect 10, and just because I thought everything worked so well to, to tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, overall camera work was a 9, mise-en-scene was a 9.5, and camera angles was a 9. Those ones where it was really close to a perfect 10 and just... Um, like I don't really have a specific reason for not, you know, bumping it up to the perfect. It just, it it just didn't quite seem perfect. Like I said, I'm just kind of stingy. Um, <laughs> and then camera angles was an eight point five. Um, I think I just felt like there there was a little bit of of room for a little bit more. Um, I don't know, like there was one shot where where he goes to sharpen his pencil, and then you can tell there was a hidden camera in the pencil, and so then the camera angle gets weird. Like things like that were were really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like with all the hidden cameras, there could have been maybe a few more more things like that that played with the camera angle and just perspective in general. Um, so I still gave it 8.5, but not not any higher. Um, so that's why I didn't get a perfect 10. Yeah. Fair enough. Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so that's going to bring us to the next category, which is going to be editing and special effects. Um, and this is one that I usually have a little bit more to say about, and and that's not really the case with this movie. <laughs> I thought everything was fine. There weren't anything, um, there weren't any like mistakes or, or things that I thought were too jarring. Um, but nothing for the most part really stands out as, as being exceptional. I don't know. I, um, it's hard to tell what I noticed. It's hard to tell of what I noticed, what was editing and what was just the way it was written in the script. It's, yeah, I guess it's um, hard to tell sometimes. Yeah. Like, cause I thought, some of the things that I thought about the editing really just come back to the the plot structure and the pacing. Like, I just thought that every scene was the right length and the scenes were just in the, the perfect order. Like, everything just built in just the right way. It was that editing or just good screenwriting. Like, I'm not really it's sure. A, it's probably, a, I mean, it's always hard to tell, but I think yeah. it's probably a combination because a lot of times, I mean, I've never seen the script for for the Truman Show, but with any script I've I've ever read, where you see the shooting script, and then you watch the movie, there's always you know scenes that go much longer, even just lines here and there, or the order of lines get switched mm-hmm. around. Like there's always differences that 
you know, get switched around either because the actors say things differently or gets changed in, in the editing floor or whatever. I just thought the pacing of when they chose to reveal certain things was really good. Like you, you yeah. kind of like you went right into the world and you you got the gist of it from the very beginning. You're like, Absolutely. OK, it's a show about this guy's life. Like the and um, he's figuring it out like, OK, but you don't learn until later, like the scope of things that there's this whole studio built that you can see from space and that he's been there since conception and you know like so i don't know i thought i i have a hard time judging this one because it's hard for me to tell what's editing and what's not but i gave this all really good scores and um i thought special effects were good too just considering that it was 1998 like there were a lot of special effects but you know when they showed like him um well, this is actually a really subtle special effect. It's not like some major CGI or anything. I thought that the effect of him crashing into the edge of his world was a really good special effect, even though it was like a really subtle, simple, practical effect. It, yeah. You know, having the door open in the edge, like like that kind of, you know, packs a punch and is an image that people remember. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but as far as like the effects of like the outside of this, the dome and um, and like the moon and how they're inside of the moon, like... I don't know, like, it was kind of not the greatest looking, but I think that's mainly because I'm looking at it with modern eyes. Yeah, it's hard with older movies. Like, I try to think of it as, like, did they do the best with what they had? And I I think that they did. Yeah, that's fair. I did. For special effects, I gave that one just a 5 out of 10. Um, For pretty much that same reason. Like, I, I thought they did pretty good with the technology available, but weren't exactly, like, breaking down barriers or I don't know the special effects do that but they weren't breaking new ground I don't think that they were aiming to like well no invent new special effects techniques did their special effects tell their story and give the look that they wanted to achieve and move their story forward and make memorable scenes and and memorable visuals like I think that they absolutely did alright that's fair I give it 10 alright I'm going to leave mine at a five. It's <laughs> fine. <laughs> All right. Well, was there anything else you wanted to add um, about editing and special effects? No. All right. Uh, so my total score um, just came out to a 6.4, which does still, um, I consider that as, as exceeding expectations, um, but it, it's a little bit on the lower side of that. I just didn't think there was much of note within that category. I gave it 10, so... <laughs> oh, over 10 for everything, yeah, wow. Yeah, okay. down the board. Right. I mean, I kind of didn't know what to say about, like, the editing stuff, like I said, but I gave it the benefit of the doubt as far as what was editing and what wasn't, because I just thought that, that the pacing and length of scenes and order of scenes were really good. Yeah, fair enough. All right, so that brings us to the next category, which is going to be the sound design. Um, one of the things that I noticed that I really liked was the um, score and soundtrack. Like, mm-hmm. we really don't hear, um, like, as far as, as a soundtrack goes, it's mostly, if not completely, like, classical music. Like, he listens to the radio and it's, you know, we're going to play some classical music to calm you down. <laughs> well, it's a score by Philip Glass, though, too. He did a, most, okay. most of the piano music was Philip Glass. compositions. Okay. Oh, well, I know there was at least one. Fun fact, he had a cameo playing the piano in the moon. Oh, they're cool. like they're like up the piano. I was yeah, glass playing the piano. <laughs> oh, right on. 
I did really like the score. Um, it had like almost like a like a John Hughes Ferris Bueller feel at times, but yeah, not, I not in a, see that. Yeah, not in a bad way though. Like I, I liked it. That was one of those things that I remember really, really liking when I was first in this movie. I remember just loving the piano music and like really that's so de- specific for like a thirteen year old. I, well, and this was when, like, I was first getting into, like, Napster. Like, Napster oh, was still yeah. online, and I was I was Napstering. Yeah, I was a nerd. I was getting <laughs> Philip Glass piano songs. Oh, my gosh. Sorry, one but... of the first CDs that I bought was uh, the X-Files soundtrack when I was, like, 10. <laughs> so we were both little kids. I eventually <laughs> moved on to other things, but... I did, yeah. but I still listen to movie scores. <laughs> It's good piano music, though, and I think it did a really good job in particular. I think the most memorable use of music is when um, there's that final scene where he's just like, this is the edge, this is it, this is all that there is, and he's just, like, breaking down and having his big dramatic moment. You don't hear his voice, you just just see him, and the music just kind of swells over it, and the music is doing a really good um it's it's being a really good storytelling aid because it's it doesn't sound like a tragic song it kind of has this like bittersweet hopefulness to it yeah it does so you know it's telling it's giving us a little bit of a different emotional cue than you would expect that's kind of helping get across like the real message of the movie i think yeah it's not a negative movie it deals with things that are sad but it's it does have a a hopeful tone absolutely i also liked things um just within like the the sound effects and the overall sound mix like uh you know you sometimes hear the camera zoom in and Mm -hmm. it's you know relatively subtle a little over the top but um not in a way that i found um to be distracting it wasn't like completely obnoxious it was just a little bit like okay yeah yeah i i um felt kind of meh about like just like sound effects and sound design like really like I gave tens to the score and the soundtrack and the storytelling mainly because of the the score I still gave nines to the other ones though (laughs) (laughs) kind of like lighting I'm like well there wasn't anything special about it but they didn't do poorly either so I feel like that means a nine to me all right uh was there anything else you wanted to add about the the sound no my overall was a 9.4. Mine was a 7.8. Making me sound so harsh. This is like the opposite of when I did one with dad. <laughs> <laughs> to, well, I think we just score differently. And I, get, yeah. I guess that's just because there's some subjectivity here. But to me, like, a 10 is like perfect. And yeah, like I'm probably going to have something less than a 10. So I do a nine if it's kind of like, oh, I don't know that it was like perfect and amazing, but it still didn't do anything wrong. But for me to give it less than a nine, I feel like I need to be docking it for something. Like I'm taking this much away because I didn't think this was very good. or I didn't think this was very good. If there's nothing I can think of that wasn't very good, I'm still going to give it a nine. All right. See, and I give it between a five and a six if I can't. Like I consider that to be like the neutral zone and then you know if something's bad I'll I'll detract from there if something's good I'll start adding from there all right um so that's gonna bring us to the next category I'm curious to see if you have strong feelings about this one because you sure did for for 2001 a space odyssey (laughs) um the next category is gonna be aesthetics um 
Do you have any strong feelings with this one? Well, I do have strong feelings on this one, but they're strongly positive feelings okay. on this one. Hair, makeup, costumes, sets, locations, props, all of these, all five of those, 10. And that's not just like a, uh, I guess it's a 10. Like, that's kind of where I was at for like editing and, and, you know, some of the cinematography stuff. It was like, well, I think this was pretty good, so I'm going to give it a 10. This is like... I think that this was, like, phenomenal kind of a 10 because it really was, like, I love the whole, like, Norman Rockwell look that they were going for. Absolutely. And the vibe that that gives to the story that they're telling. 10s all down the line? Yeah, I mean, it all kind of feeds into the same, the the same, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but (laughs) (laughs) it all, it all is related to each other. Like, they, they all made the same look. Like, you just had this look of, like, this is what the Truman Show world is like, and this is the reality that we are trying to create and the reality that we are trying to tell. And yeah. like, this is how everything is going to be and no one's going to question anything. And that is like totally in tune with attitudes in 40s and 50s media. So of course yeah. they're going to make it look like that. I just, I don't know. I thought that that was smart and helpful to the story and i just think it looked cool like i thought the costumes were fun and And it does help give it like a a timelessness like for the most like some of you know uh jim carrey's outfits definitely like oh that's a super 90s suit that he's wearing there but other than that like like everyone really looked looked timeless Mm -hmm. or at least looked stuck in like the the 50s Which makes the movie feel timeless. Um, so I agree. I definitely like. I loved the costumes and I uh, the sets and props and locations. I all thought were really solid. Um, as far as hair and makeup, I thought it was good, um, but I, I certainly didn't push it up to a perfect ten. Um, like I, I liked that mostly it was the uh, Laura Linney's character Meryl. That like her just just her whole look. Just her was, hair and makeup was a standout. Yeah, absolutely. But then everyone else's was kind of just exactly what I expected. So I, I would have given that category like a five if it wasn't for her. And then she bumped it up to to a six point. Well, not her, her, her stylists, I guess. But, <laughs> uh, you know, her look bumped that score up. Um, and same thing with makeup. Um, but I still gave gave the category a high score overall. Um, a 7.9 out of 10 for me for aesthetics overall. You said perfect 10? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stand by that one. That's like- fair. I get it. <laughs> Right, so that brings us to the next category, which we've talked about a little bit already, but I'm excited to talk about this one because I think it's it's really interesting with this movie, and that's going to be impact on film. Um, and so this one I kind of split up into critical impact, audience and cult impact, and then the historical inspirational impacts. Um, and I think, um, I mean, critical impact, if you just look at, at pretty much any, you know, aggregate site you know Rotten Tomatoes or Metacritic anything like that I mean it has outstanding scores um so I gave it a 9 out of 10 for that and then with an audience cult impact I think it's pretty much the same thing I looked around at various websites that have audience scores and and kind of used that to to judge my score and I gave it an 8 out of 10 um and then where it really gets interesting and I kind of started to talk about this earlier is within the historical inspirational impact because even if it you know, whether or not this movie inspired reality TV show, like, there's still a historical significance of of looking at this movie within the context mm-hmm. of, of where it's hard media to tell went. who impacted who. It's like a exactly. chicken or the egg scenario, but it's just a really, like, 
it's it demonstrates a precise time that it came from. Like this could exactly. have only been made in 1998. Pretty I feel much, like, or maybe yeah. up until about 2005. Like, yeah, somewhere it's very in there. of its time, right? And yet, it still has like a timeless story to tell. But yeah. like, that was just the time that it really needed to be made to make to have the impact that it did. I agree. Um, so I gave it I gave it a six point five out of ten for the historical inspirational impacts. Um, for for those reasons. Um, so those three scores for me. That's pretty low. I think that's too low. Six point five. I don't know. Mostly, be, I would have given it higher, but it's like I don't know if the movie itself was impactful as far as like reality TV show, or it's just interesting from a historical standpoint to to look at it within that context. I don't know. Oh, I stand by it. <laughs> <laughs> so my impact on film averaged out to a 7.83 out of 10. I gave it 10 for all three In of all those. three? Okay. Yeah. Is this movie a perfect 10 for you? That's pretty damn close. No. <laughs> it's pretty... It's not a perfect 10, but it's pretty high. Okay. I definitely think for impact on film that the 10 is deserved... Critical I impact, it. I'm, it has practically 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's, like, over 90. Like, it, it's very critically accla- acclaimed. Audience cult impact, like, who doesn't love this movie? Everybody knows this movie. Even if you haven't seen it, you know what it's about. You would understand references to it. You probably mm-hmm. could name a scene or two from it. And then, you know, we've been talking all about all the historical impact of it. Yeah. Enough. I think the 10 is deserved. All right. I'm not going to dispute it. I'm going to keep my scores as they are, but I'm not going to dispute it. <laughs> uh, all right. So that brings us to the last category of the grid, which is overall enjoyment. Uh, what did you give The Truman Show for overall enjoyment? I gave it a 10. <laughs> what a surprise. It's a good movie and I like yeah. watching it. It is enjoyable. Um, I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. I, I mean, that's I consider that outstanding. I did really, really like it. Um, I'm like I've been saying, I'm very stingy about my perfect tens, <laughs> um, and even the nines, I'm a little stingy on, and and so I just know, like I can think of movies that I enjoy more than this movie, so for that reason, I didn't bump it up. Um, I probably could have gone up to a nine, and and I'd feel okay about it, but um, I mean, I definitely like I really did like this movie, and and I think an eight point five is 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 a pretty strong score, so I stand by it. Uh, did you give Truman Show any extra credit? I did. I gave it one extra credit point, which winds up being a 0.5. It's it's half a point added to the overall score. But um, what I gave it extra credit for was for having a comedic actor in a dramatic role, which I know just goes back to like all the acting and casting stuff that we already talked about. But I gave it a specific extra credit point for that very specific element because I'm a huge sucker for it. Anytime I see a comedic actor in a dramatic role, I'm like, I want to see that movie. Even if it's a terrible movie and I know it's going to be a terrible movie, I want to see it. I just love... I love the complexities of comedians and why they become comedians and what their, you know, their lives and their philosophies are really like. And then I just love the vulnerability of them deciding that they're ready to take a dramatic role. I think it's super interesting. I do too. And it's, it's super rare that I can think of off the top of my head for a comedic actor to do a serious role and be bad in it. Like, people are always... Oh, yeah. People are always surprised. It usually surprised. turns out really well. Yeah, and yeah. everyone's all like, oh, man, I, I didn't think they could do mm-hmm. serious acting. I'm like, it's so much harder for a serious actor to do comedy 
But ever there's just this perception. I think that's really true. Yeah, yeah. there's such a perception and such a. I think it's just a looking down of on that comedic comedy. actor deciding that that's mm-hmm. something that they want to do. Exactly. Because it's risky for them, not in that it might be a bad performance. It's just risky for them, and is that what they want to be known for, or exactly. is that what they want to put out into the world? Is that the direction they want to take their career? Right. And some comedians decide that they want to, and some don't. So. Yeah. Did you see? This is a really quick question. I swear, mm-hmm. it's super off topic, but speak. Of, of comedians in serious roles. Did you ever see Mother? The, no. the newest Aaron Aronofsky movie. It's, I know the movie, but what comedian is in it? Uh, Kristen Wiig has a really small role really? in it, and she's amazing, and people I, have very polarized feelings done, about it. She's done a, she's done a few serious yeah, things. Yeah, I didn't know she was in that, though. It's a very small role, but she's amazing in it. Like, she's very sinister, and it's glorious, and it makes me really excited for her to play a villain in Wonder Woman <laughs> 2, because she's, have you heard about that? She's going to be a villain I in did. Wonder Woman 2, which everybody is super upset about, and I'm so I'm excited. not upset about it. Well, I mean, I wouldn't be his. You, I was going to say, did you even see really, the first Wonder Woman? No, that's not really my, um... Yeah, not your cup of tea? No, but... Like, I don't, I don't understand why somebody would be mad about that, I guess I should say. But I am surprised by it. I'm like, can I picture that? I don't know. I can't. I think really? it's going to be glorious. Anyway, that's a total, <laughs> total side rant. Um, all right. And that was, you said that was the only extra credit you gave it? Yeah, that was the only specific thing I could think of that, that wasn't, like, really specifically covered by something else. Yeah. Yeah, I thought of a lot of things. And then... Um, you know, when I took a step back, I was like, you know, I, I usually don't mind double dipping into other categories, but it seemed like it was double dipping a little mm-hmm. too much, so I didn't. Um, but I did find one thing um, that I gave it extra credit for, which comes out to a half point, um, and that's just for the nostalgia factor. Like, I was so young when I saw it the first time, so I mean, it's it's a little bit um, of an odd example, because there, was, there, was, there were so few scenes that I remembered. Um, but it was just, I'm, I'm a sucker for nostalgia, and I love going back. I mean, even... I jokingly mentioned it earlier, Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman, <laughs> is like the worst TV show ever made, but I get a kick out of watching it yeah. every time because our whole family was obsessed with that show and <laughs> man, the memories. <laughs> um, she's eating a frog. No, she's a clone. Oh, it's a glorious. It's awful. Um, <laughs> so yeah, nostalgia I'm a sucker for. So I did give it a little bit of extra credit for that. Um, but that that's it. Um, so, so my total score is going to be significantly lower than yours, Yeah, I'm mine sure. is really high. <laughs> uh, my, I still consider this a really high score, though. I gave it an 80.33, which is outstanding and, and far exceeds expectations and, and is definitely, um, definitely a movie I enjoy, one I would recommend to, to just about anyone. I can't imagine somebody that I would not recommend this movie. I mean, like you mentioned, that we didn't really get back to it much, but like it's, it's PG. Like there, nobody would be offended by it. It's it's interesting from a retrospective point of view. It's it's just an entertaining movie. It's one of the most well structured movies I've seen in a long time. Like it just has so many pros. Like who would dislike this movie? I cannot think of anybody who who would find something to dislike about this movie. I feel like the interesting thing about the PG rating is that I think most movies wouldn't feel taken seriously as. PG, and so they would mm-hmm. just throw something in there to at least get PG. Oh yeah, I just throw. They did have just to get the rating that they shot for. I believe they do say the word shit once. They so I do, was, but I think that's you can say it once. Mm, um, I think in 1998 you could. Yeah. I think it's different now. I don't. There know. was PG 13 was around then though. Yeah, but I think it's, you could get away from with more. Yeah, they've it, gotten stingier about the like. It's almost impossible to get a G rating anymore. Oh yeah, it's practically not even 
a rating. Yeah. yeah. Unless you're like a documentary. Yeah. And had no animals killing I was going to say. <laughs> Even that yeah. was PG. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, my overall was 98.42. Wow. That is yeah. almost a perfect. Is that higher than you gave 2001 A Space Odyssey? <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember what I gave I 2001 I A Space Odyssey. Well, now I feel silly. <laughs> yeah, 95.6 is what you gave really? 2001. Let me see that. <laughs> it's not a bad thing. It's just a surprising thing. I was really critical of that hair. <laughs> you were. 2001 <laughs> That was like the main thing that brought this down. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't good. So, yeah. Well... I don't know that I can necessarily say that The Truman Show is a better movie than 2001 A Space Odyssey, but... Well, apparently you can. You've got proof. <laughs> but it's up there. Like, I, it I is think, a phenomenal movie. I think movie. it's a really good movie. I think it's, you know, I don't even know what else I'm trying to say. It's just, it's just <laughs> a really good movie. Yeah. No doubt about it. What did I give it? 2001? Yeah. 88.13. Okay, so, so I thought it was a little better than The Truman Show, but not by that much. <laughs> All right, well, I think that about wraps it up, unless there's anything you want to add real quick about uh, The Truman Show. No. All right, so that wraps it up for our discussion of the 1998 classic, The Truman Show. So we have coming up on Monday, June 4th, we'll be reviewing, uh, Tristan and I will be back for Marvel Monday, finishing up phase one with The Avengers. And then on Friday, June 8th, I will be here with guest co-host Sammy and Brian to talk about Jurassic Park, which is celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. Um, so that's about it for, for what's coming up. Uh, if you'd like to subscribe to us, please do on iTunes, leave reviews, all that good stuff. Um, and if you're interested in learning how you can help support Gritty Films, you can visit patreon.com slash grittyfilms. That's Gritty Films, spelled G-R-I-D-D-Y films. And you can also, if you're interested in learning more about the uh, Gritty Films grid rating system, you can find that at the website over at grittyfilms.com slash the grid. Uh, that's it for today, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye!